Peter um, this evening. So if you want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, um, verses 8 to 10, and um, that's page, it'll be about page 1,111 around there. <laughs> um, so that's 1 Peter 4, verses 8 to 10. 1, 1, 5, 4. Almost there. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, good luck at hospitality. So, 1 Peter 4, verse 8 to 10. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Let's pray. Um, Father, we thank you your word is living and active, that it is expansive. And as we dwell in these few verses this evening, would you change our hearts? Would you um, excite us? Would you envision us? And that we go home changed and more aware of who you are and what you're calling us into. Amen. Amen. Um, so we've been taking this glorious journey from 1 Peter, haven't we? Um, and we're landing it now. And a few weeks ago we looked at hope, and then we looked at holiness, and this evening we're going to look at hospitality. And we've kind of ended it in this mini three-part series. So if we get hold of something theological, which was um, hope, something deeply, deeply spiritual, which is holiness, which Tim um, spoke to last week. And then finally we're landing in hospitality, which is super practical. Because as we said at the beginning, um, 1 Peter is just an amazingly um, practical letter. It's written to a group of Christians, not totally different to us. And it's saying actually it's time to, to live this Christian thing. And then right in chapter 4, which is um, a little sort of section looking at how to live this life as a Christian, we find these few verses just almost hidden in there. And they're so deep and they're so profound. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And hospitality was utterly, utterly key to the early church because the gospel grew in homes. And what I want to argue this evening is that actually the gospel grows in our homes too. That when we get hold of this spiritual gift of hospitality, the gospel flourishes and we flourish. Um, so I wonder, um, what do you think about, if I just say hospitality, what sort of images are conjured up in your mind? Is it something a bit like this? Like a very glossy dinner party, perfect smashed avocado with poached eggs, a lovely welcome when you get to a hotel? Or does it go to a place a bit more like this? where you're hanging out with someone a little bit different to you, like the work of Regenerate Rise, and where you're in that really, really fun, slightly chaotic family affair, that dinner table, where it's all a bit messy, but everybody's sort of diving in. All that space where you're washing your feet. And the thing about biblical hospitality and the true gift of hospitality is that it has more to do with foot washing than it does with smashed avocado, as beautiful as that is. Um, 
And when we press into scripture, when we press into 1 Peter, we see that hospitality is this thing that is so, so deep and so, so expansive. And it captures up all of humanity. It's about the dignity of every person. And in the early church and today, it was actually symbolised with foot washing, which is really appropriate as we um, approach Easter time. If you're around on Monday, Thursday, come to our foot washing and service. Because in the world of one Peter, everybody walked around Jerusalem, Syria, that sort of area, with sandals on. And it was incredibly, incredibly dusty. And there's like a donkey dung everywhere, and the sandy roads are disgusting. And as people step into the houses, they had to have their feet washed. And what normally happened was that the slaves would wash the people's feet. The rich people's feet, anyway. But what's happened in the world of 1 Peter is that the slaves have become Christians. And they're being welcomed into the home place. And the Christians have been called to offer hospitality without grumbling to everybody. So everybody, rich or poor, slave or free, men or women, are having their foot, their feet even, washed. And the foot washing is something that's deeply, deeply sacrificial and countercultural and gospel and kingdom minded. So the first thing we can ponder um, this evening is what's our foot washing? What's our foot washing? What's the thing that makes us go the extra mile, that, that stretches us? It's the first question, the first moment to ponder. And then when we turn to scripture, we see that hospitality is always written, always spoken about in the context of the love. So our 1 Peter verses, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And then it goes on to speak of hospitality. And we turn to Paul's um, writings about hospitality and he does exactly the same thing. So if you look at Romans 12 verse 13, which just says, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. So the key point in the New Testament, as Paul says, practice hospitality. And hospitality in the New Testament is literally translated as pursue the love of strangers. Pursue the love of strangers. Actually welcome these new Christians in. Because as people become Christians, they begin to travel and they begin to see each other and it's slave and free, and young and old, and men and women. It's a variety of people. Not everybody knows each other because there's no Facebook and there's no Airbnb or anything like that. People need to literally come into each other's homes and just be abandoned and be really, really welcoming, which is so countercultural for us and so important. Pursue the love of strangers. And as we reflect on that as church, there's a deep, deep truth in that, isn't there? Um, I don't know how you've kind of been walking out in a Christian walk, but I found again and again when I meet people who I've never met before, if they're Christians, it's like that friendship goes so deep so quickly, no matter how different they are to me. Um, a couple of months ago, um, 
who are involved in a charity that's based in Madagascar. And um, one of the bishops of Madagascar was coming over to spend some time with Justin Welby, not with me specifically. But he came to visit for, uh, for 24 hours and stayed with Chilling Journey and that extraordinary man. I never met before. And one way well, had absolutely nothing in common with this Madagascan, I don't know, he must be in his 50s, man, married um, with five kids. Um, but at another level, we just sat in the pan on the Thursday morning and we talked for four hours and we had so much in common because we loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And both of us were pursuing the love of strangers. And that's what hospitality is about. It's about unlikely friends. It's about delving into the new people. It's about saying, hey, I might not know you, but you're a human being made in the image of the living God and you're full of dignity and I'm going to pursue your love and I'm going to welcome you into my life. So Romans 12, 13, show the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, pursue the love of strangers. And then when we turn to um, 1 Peter 4, Peter just builds on what Paul was writing in Romans. So 1 Peter 4, 8 to 10. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so verse 8. Hospitality is about love. And we know in scripture, don't we, that actually that's the greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Always found in the context of love. But what I want to say about hospitality is it's not going to be a burden thing. Because sometimes we think of it and you're like, oh, goodness me. Another person to stay, another person to invite around. You know, I've um, had my mum stay all weekend, and I love my mum to pieces, but it's kind of happy to go on 22 to Houston, which is a terrible thing to say. But anyway, um, but actually, you know, it's not meant to be like that. Hospitality is meant to be this glorious, joy, freeing thing. Think of like the best house party you've ever been to, or the best impromptu dinner party, where the conversations just flowed, and it's been so fun hanging out with those people. It's meant to be that. Full of joy, full of grace and truth, full of love. And then verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Actually, it's about our giftings. And each of our giftings are going to be different. Like some of us will be really, really good at cooking. And that will be wonderful and we love it. And some of us will cook in really different ways. Some of us will do it through a recipe. Some other people like me will not be able to use a recipe and just do whatever's in our minds. Um, other people will be really, really good at conversation and chatting. Other people will be really, really good at listening and just sitting and being with someone. That's all hospitality. We've all got a part to play. It's about everybody's giftings. And hospitality is about stewardship. What Peter's getting at there, where he says in verse 10, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Actually, he's getting back to what we are made for. Because what we were created for was to steward the world and be fruitful. And hospitality is about good stewardship. It's about being fruitful. So it's about love. It's not a burden thing. It's full of joy. It's full of excitement. And it's what we're made for. 
And then if we go further into the New Testament, we hit Hebrews, and Hebrews 13, verse 2. If there's one thing in scripture that says hospitality is super interesting and not dull, it's this verse. So Hebrews 13, verse 2. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. How intriguing is that? That actually sometimes if we just meet someone and we invite them into our lives and our homes or into a coffee shop or whatever works for us in the 21st century, you could be entertaining an angel. It's exciting. I find it exciting anyway. Um, so. There's absolutely, absolutely a scriptural precedent for a retreat and privacy. That's really, really important. We have to hold on to that as a value. But equally, there is a scriptural precedent for hospitality and for throwing our lives open. And the thing with our culture at the moment is that it lands really, really well sometimes in kind of privacy and hiding and protecting oneself. And what we're called to as church is to be those prophetic people who offer a different way and say, actually, actually, this is glorious, this is good. I'm going to throw my life open. Tim and Joe are brilliant at it. The vicarage door is always open. They're always having people to stay. There's always people around their dinner table. We can do that as church. That's what we are called to do. So what's the what and what is the how? Um, Sam Aubrey, who um, works for the Ravi Zacharias Trust, and he just says this, the biblical call to show hospitality is one of the most overlooked or misunderstood commands in scripture. We either ignore it or mistake it for what our culture calls entertaining. I think there's some truth in that. We're not called to entertain. We're called to pursue the love of strangers. And they're quite different things. No, they probably unite. So what, what's the foot washing then? If this is what they were doing as a early church, what's this mean for us now? I think it means two things. One, sacrificial living, and two, unlikely friends. So living our life a kingdom way, sacrificially, and then unlikely friends, pursuing the love of strangers. So I can delve into that um, for a moment. And sacrificial living. Really struck me that um, our culture kind of starts from a point, I find myself doing this all the time, and um, every time I go to somebody's house for dinner or something like that, I'm like, thank you for having me. We'll do it, don't we? And then that's not a bad thing, of course we want to thank people. But actually it seems the biblical precedent and also, if you go to um, sort of Uganda or Madagascar, kind of Eastern and Africa nations, actually they always say to you, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. And I think what the Lord is asking through these verses is that we become thank you for coming people, not thank you for having me people. They're both important, but what's our starting point? I want my starting point to be thank you for coming. I feel so privileged you've come in with a foot on my flat. I feel so privileged you've met me for this coffee. I feel so privileged that I've spent time with you. Thank you for coming. So let's be thank you for coming, people. So first question, what's our foot washing? Second reflection, 
how can we become more thank you for coming people? Pete Gregg's really challenging on this stuff, so um, read some of his books, are very good. And he just says this, Biblical hospitality starts in the heart and not the Ikea catalogue. It is sacrificial and thoughtful, familial and flexible, patient and consistent, humble and imaginative. It allows for interruption, goes a second mile, and it gives space. That's thank you for coming. That's sacrificial. Um, when I was um, trained to be a vicar, um, I was up living in Oxford um, at Wycliffe, which is where Tim was as well, and Joe. And um, going to the Archbishop College is an enormous privilege. Also had some challenges. Um, and you have absolutely no money for three years, and broke for three years. Um, and lots of my friends were in London, and I was just blown away by the way that they enacted this stuff that Pete is getting at. And two of my best friends, you know, um, just getting their marriage off the ground and things. Um, they had a flat in East Dulwich, and they gave me a key to a flat. And I just came and went whenever I kind of needed to over those three years. And they never complained, and they never said no, and they just treated me as part of the family. I'm still on their Netflix account, along with their children now, which is getting a bit <laughs> interesting. But, um, you know, and they just, and they loved me. And it was just this stuff. And it made my life so doable at that stage. And it's wonderful. Thank you for coming. I definitely felt like they were, they were saying that. So sacrificial living, opening our lives wide. Um, and then unlikely friends. Unlikely friends. Just pursuing the love of strangers. I love that. Pursue the love of strangers. Um, and admittedly, it gets harder as we get older. I don't know how you find it to kind of hang out. And just kind of genuinely get to know people who are different to you. So find yourself as you leave school and then university and then into the working world, realising that all your mates basically look exactly like you. Um, I've definitely found that. But isn't the church like the best place to correct that? Um, brothers and sisters in Christ who are totally, totally different to us. All you guys would need to do is go, oh, some of you do, actually. All we need to do is go to the morning service and there's a bunch of people who are different to us. And there are people who are different to us in this room this evening. We can see the love of people we don't know so well. We can get unlikely friends. And sometimes it takes a bit of strategy and a bit of consciousness, but I find that when you deliver with it, you can do it. So you will have your mates who look really, really like you, and that's good and right, and that's champion that. Um, but Skype's amazing, so I've got friends in Uganda and Madagascar and things like that, and I can consciously make sure there's some time for them. You know, I can make a concerted effort to actually stay friends with my friends from school who look incredibly different to me now, and pursue um, the love of them. Charity work, getting involved in charity is a great way to meet people. Um, some guys who I Skype once a month are a retired couple called Will and Shell, and they're like America New Money, and they live in Florida, and extraordinary house and boat and all of that and they're totally different to me and they love the Lord and we have brilliant conversations over Skype. You can look at your past life and look at the sort of jobs and roles that I've done before um, I came here and I can actively make sure that I stay in touch with some of those young people that they become my friends. We can cultivate unlikely friends. That's a really important, really kingdom thing because the kingdom of God is not homogenous, it's every tribe and tongue and gathered up before the throne of God. And we can pursue the love of strangers. 
We live in this extraordinary cosmopolitan city, don't we? Everywhere we turn, there are people who are different to us. We can pursue their love. Actually, that's why some of our priorities are deepening authentic friendships and actually engaging with our local community because we believe this stuff. We believe that true biblical foot-washing hospitality changes the world for the kingdom of God. Okay, so finally, the how. Because it's all well and good conception, but, but the how. Um, again and again, guys, we can just start small. Just buying someone a cup of coffee. And then just, just being with them. And just listening. Actually hang out over that cup of coffee and listening to their lives. I love what um, Henry Newman, who... Um, Actually, I'm not sure if he's still with us or if he's gone to glory. Um, anyway, he's sort of a um, Catholic monk theologian. And he says this, listening is the highest form of hospitality. Not to change people, but offering them space where change can take place. Listening is the highest form of hospitality. And so we go and pursue the love of a stranger. And we get to know them, and we get to know them by sitting Actually, don't go to the pound for coffee, it's horrible. Um, we sit there, we get to know them, sorry, sorry. We get to know them and we listen to Megan or Hallie's or something like that. And we just allow uh, the stories to come out. And we offer hospitality opposite them, listening to them, highest form of hospitality. And then food, food. Because something happens when we eat together, doesn't it? Actually, God made us for food, and heaven, the new creation, tree-free, it's going to be a banquet. We're going to be eating for all of eternity, which is an extraordinary thought, because we're also not going to be hungry in a negative way, we're going to be hungry in a positive way. But food is a glorious, glorious God, kingdom thing. There's a reason that Jesus ate with people. There's a reason in the Bible people constantly gathered around the table. There's a reason that focus is so fun. One of the reasons is that we eat together, so we'll be doing breakfast and dinner together this year. Think about the weekend away. Some of the best times were when we just gathered in that dining room. I could see it. People were just having conversations and we're eating together. Something happens with food. So let's get excited about food. Um, it's okay, you know, not all of us are cooks. So if you need to, invite some people over and just go to cook and just buy a kind of really nice ready meal thing that you can pop in the oven, or get a delivery. Go for it. If that's where you're at, let's say that's all right. Equally, we can make cooking um, really, really simple. Um, Joe Coleman's come up with um, a load of recipes for life group leaders, um, which I'm sure we'll happily share with everybody. And just really easy ways to cook. Um, practical level. Can just sit and think, okay, I'm going to make a list like on my phone or whatever of people that I might want to invite around for dinner or I might want to take out for a coffee. And we can include some unlikely friends in that. You can look at the space that you've got right now. Um, some of you are probably in shared houses. Um, I remember when I lived with some of my best mates for quite a few years in Shepherd's Bush when I went to St Paul's. Um, and neither of them were Christians, so couldn't quite get away with having a life group in my flat. But I could say to them, because they were people people, I was like, can people just come and stay? So we kind of just chatted with them and worked it out. And the Thursday night was sort of mates staying over type evening. And one of my friends who was really going through some stuff, she just came and she just stayed in our living room. 
every night for about a year. And they all became friends, and everybody's best friends now. It's wonderful. We can offer hospitality, whatever kind of state we're living in, whether it's a shared house. Equally, if you're married, and get a vision for your house. You know, we can sit together, and if you're married, and just have that conversation, actually, what do we want to do with our home? If we're single people living on our own, I am, I can sit down and be really, really conscious, and say, what do I want to do with this flat? This flat is God's gift to me. How can I offer it to the wider world? And then at really practical level, just make a plan and just invite some people. Do it right now. Just invite someone for a drink after church or something like that. Invite someone around for dinner this week. Invite someone out for a cup of coffee. Safe food, unlikely friends, sacrificial living. And finally, guys, I think, actually, actually, I know, someone told me never say I think when you're preaching, I know that this is about evangelism. Um, there's a lady called Pat Ennis who's really good on hospitality, um, and she says this, the 21st century church has cultivated highly sophisticated procedures and tools for evangelism. Training sessions, online and media resources, seminars, manuals and methodology books are all available. Could add Alpha in there, any questions, all of that. However, as we study scripture, we also find that the home served as a center for evangelism. And the home, the place of foot washing, is still a center for evangelism. Um, my best friend, um, many, many years, came to faith a few years ago, and she's from a totally non-Christian family. And it was absolutely, absolutely a work of God. But a large part of it was the fact that um, whilst we were teenagers, my mum had a very, very open house policy. Um, and she was just in and out of our house all the time. And she just saw my family do life, and my family do church, and hopefully we weren't too weird. Um, and when I was 12, it was horrible. My mum gave her a Bible. I've never been so mortified. I was like, why are you doing that? Um, and then she, she came to faith, um, and she pulled this Bible out that my mum had given her when she was 12, and she was like, I've been reading this. And it's extraordinary. And the home had been a place of evangelism. Little did I know what the Lord was doing there. But our home was a place of evangelism, and it's the reason she's come to faith. Um, it's the home, the home still has a place. Um, and in life groups, we can do this stuff, can't we? Actually, in your life, it's going to be a good time to just have like an evening meal or a Sunday lunch or something like that, where everybody brought a friend who wasn't a Christian. <laughs> Easiest thing in the world, everybody just invites a mate. I love what Tim Keller says. Tim Keller says that people become Christians by watching Christians basically have Christian chat with each other. And it's true, actually, as we invite people into our lives and we just do the normal stuff of life and they witness it, but it's the stuff that's centered on Jesus Christ and they just see the gospel foundation, the fact that it's true. People almost by osmosis, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they, they come into the kingdom of God. The home, the home, our lives are still the center for evangelism. And that's the heart of hospitality. It's sacrificial living, it's unlikely friends, and it's our lives as living temples to Jesus Christ as the center of evangelism. And it's exciting, really, really exciting. Which is why um, we ended one Peter with hospitality. So, watch your foot washing. Have a think about that.
How can we become more? Thank you for coming, people, rather than thank you for having the people. Good as that is. How can we pursue the love of strangers? Make an unlikely friend. And how do we live sacrificially, ready to be interrupted, to, to throw our eyes open? That's a, that's a nudge of the spirit. That's a challenge this evening. So let's take a moment. Um, just let that settle. It'll be a different question for each of us. But the Lord is with us, and he'll be knocking on each of our hearts and our heads. So let's take a moment in the quiet. Um, just let the Lord to speak before we go any further.